0: Hey what's up everybody This is Illiterate This week we are covering Coda My name is Evan I checked out the best picture
1: winner My name is Taylor And I went into census documents from the 1690s Oh lord (laughs) Let's get into it
0: Imagine where we will go from here The Oscars happened this week, and everybody's been talking about the talk, obviously. We ain't here for that. We are here for the big winner, baby, Coda. Uh, And it also took home Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor. In particular, Tony uh, Custer's acceptance speech was affecting and pretty amazing to balance out all of the awfulness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, if you wanna go look up something amazing that happened, go look up his acceptance speech uh, and the audience reception to that. It was actually quite heartwarming to see. And from that instance, I was like, oh, maybe the maybe maybe Coda's really something I should check this out. <laughs> yeah, That was first thought, and then she wins best adapted, and then it wins best picture. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm checking it out. <laughs>
1: And so you, dear listener, can watch this. It's streaming.
0: On Apple Plus. It's streaming right now.
1: Very interesting. Focuses on Coda, which is the child of deaf adults. Also, her, the main character's brother is deaf, but very much about the deaf community. And as I was looking into this, there's a slogan that's used particularly in the deaf community, but in other marginalized communities. And the slogan is nothing about us without us. so very much that was an aim on this piece is Mm -hmm. as many people in as many facets as we can get that actually have this life experience made me interested and made Evan interested in who wrote it and then who directed it the same person Sean Hader but she is not deaf and seemingly doesn't have a ton of experience in this so it's kind of like Usually, the opposite of what we talk about, where it's like, "Oh, you live this experience, and you writing about right. what you know." Things and, find you. Right. Yeah. This is very much her doing research on communities she doesn't belong to, and hmm. and that and opening up that lens, which is not usually what you see when there's something so personal. You'd think, oh, surely right. she was a ch- child of deaf adults. No, not at all. Oh. Yeah, that's
0: definitely my first inclination. is wondering how much you know balancing the well. How much is this a person from the deaf community, and how much of like a artist filmmaker is this person, or is there is there more fidelity in there? Maybe she's maybe a much more curious person. Yeah,
1: um, so her, interested
0: in what all sorts of uh, what uh, yeah what uh, what other stuff. What what does she do?
1: <laughs> so, so the the there are of course has to be personal connections to her and the place she grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and. Had vacations in Gloucester, and this whole area she very much knows. The house of the music teacher was one of her friend's houses as a kid. So there's a a few connections there. She has been in film, acting, writing. She won a Peabody for her writing on the TV show Men of a Certain Age and was one of the main writers in seasons one through three of Orange is the New Black. On Netflix, which she was never a woman in prison. So that kind of started her. I'm going to do tons of research on something. She was she was the research nerd because she was like, I'm going to be on a Homeland Security watch list. I'm looking up how to make a bomb in prison. Right. <laughs> Once, and then you you acqu- you you acquire
0: those types of skills of, of being able to track down the source of like well what is a thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then you realize you can kind of do that in a bunch of different directions. Uh, yeah. And so you okay, we found it here. Oh, I gotta. Oh, what what is another world I can really sink my claws into and get to get to the roots of to understand? And in particular, what's a what's a world? What's a community that needs that light?
1: Yeah. So that's all TV stuff. The way she gets into film, her first feature film was called Tallulah, which premiered at Sundance, I believe. Mm. And this then is where we get, like you said, it was adaptation, adapted screenplay based on something. So. Now yeah, we're this st- is one yeah. of the,
0: the one of the big things about this that I've seen nobody mention. This, <laughs> this that, film yeah. is a remake yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that is kind of on the surface when it won, obviously ad- one adapted screenplay okay, so it's it's from something and that's obvious you know, it wins that we're gonna do it. When I look at it, it goes, oh, it's there's a this is a remake. there's another movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the only hint of that was the producers that accepted the award for best picture have a french accent because they are the same producers it was a f- french film
0: fascinating that,
1: and so they also then produced coda because they of course have the american english rights to it so wow. how did they get together this is this was kind of hard to find right. but the french film came out in 2014 la famille bellier which is the the, the bellier family basically mm-hmm. is this the name of the family Pretty successful at the French box office, earned $72 million on a budget of $13 million. Okay. But I went into some more French box office numbers. Of course, the American movies that came out were higher, the big blockbuster, Planet of the Apes, whatever came out in 2014. But of the French-made movies, this was the in the top five highest grossing. For 2014, so it wasn't it wasn't a small. I mean, I think it was still a smaller thing, but it did really. If you
0: were if you were in France, yeah, you would you would definitely recognize this
1: definitely. And so, Sean Hader was at Sundance with Tallulah, her first feature in 2016, and these guys approached her and said, "Would you be interested in doing a remake of the thing that we did that got a bunch of buzz in 2014?" Hmm. So that's the connection there. Uh, and they,
0: fascinating. they were okay. giving
1: her the license because the original story, I'll post a link to the trailer in the show notes. It looks very, very similar, although it's set on a rural dairy farm in France instead of
0: okay. Uh, okay.
1: A, a shipping town <laughs> in Massachusetts. But similar. But the,
0: but the inherent drama is it's a, a deaf family with one child that mm-hmm. can't speak. And this child is, uh, is pursuing uh, singing.
1: Correct. Exactly which the is, same. Which and a music is directly teacher, in right. conflict
0: yep. with like what is happening in terms of her family. And meanwhile, the family business is trying to understand how it can adapt and stand maybe on its own for the first time. And at this pivotal moment, they need their speaking family member as a vital functioning piece of this family to get up off their feet and move and get this thing going. Is that all pretty much intact?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say so. Wow. You know, it, it has the I mean, sc- yeah, the scrutiny that it got versus this one is only the brother character who is younger and therefore more of a minor character in the French one. is He's the only okay. deaf actor. They didn't use any other deaf actors. And so it got more guff in France because it's like these people are actors, but they didn't really learn French sign language. And so they're right. sort of pantomiming. It wasn't that nothing about us without us. It was very much without deaf influence into the story.
0: I see. Okay, so there was definitely a uh, opportunity to do it more authentically. Correct.
1: Yeah. I think in the French one, they play more into in a bat like the comedy of being deaf an insensitivity mm-hmm. to that. Okay. If that makes sense.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Versus having the deaf characters be fully more fully fleshed out. But I haven't seen the whole thing, but yeah. It, it- Interesting, because uh,
0: Im- immediately I start to think about how this pulled me into the family drama. Mm-hmm. And and then where our main character, uh, Ruby, is placed, she has a lot on her shoulders, more than a 17-year-old really should, mm-hmm. have, in terms of the part she plays uh, in this family business, and because that it's such an intrinsic, it's such a, a, a guarded place for this family. I mean, you need to be able to trust this person; it can't just be anybody. Yeah. In terms of that being that interpreter, uh, the, the the film does an incredible job of of getting you to identify with Ruby's plight of being of being responsible to a degree for her family, and then because you're so cued in on that so quickly as auxiliary characters come up and suddenly start disrespecting uh-huh. the family, it cuts like a knife, yeah. actually, because we're set up with Ruby so quickly uh, and how she's so torn and how much is on her shoulders to keep things going and to make sure things are straight and to make sure the truth is told we're telling the right thing and they play up with that a little bit yeah, but it's yeah. more in the family not externally everybody else externally everybody is like confused or you know like to a you know an arm's length or totally oblivious there's way more cutting up and like uh Deaf humor within the family, right. coming or coming from the family, I would say, uh, uh, in what it it sounds like, in contrast to what is in the French version.
1: Correct. Yeah, and I think that that's what I've seen as some of the praises and critiques is competence and sexuality of deaf people. In this one, is mm-hmm. something to praise
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Th- that
1: more often than not portrayals, it's victimizing.
0: I was absolutely flabbergasted at how sexual this movie is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to, and it's for good reason.
0: They use it incredibly well. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't expect it. And and because I didn't expect it, and I realized I didn't expect it, and it's, so, it's kind of a lot of it, uh, at least in the first act, where I started sitting back and being like, oh, interesting. Like I, What you were just saying, I realized that in the first act. I was mm-hmm. going like, oh, I am supposed to be, like, I'm supposed to be- like, Called out on, on your- see, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, they are full- Human beings, you know, <laughs> so I it was really I was right there with it. You know, fifteen minutes in or less. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's on purpose. That the the one of the big criticisms is sort of the hearing child, which is played up in the drama of it. The hearing child for parents, where interpreters nowadays, because of the Americans with Disabilities Act it's mandated like if you're in court or if you're in medical like you they you have to have an interpreter so it it doesn't make sense that she would be there when her parents are in the hospital and various other things like that that doesn't make sense anymore in america Uh at least with these laws so that part of it gets criticism of like you're still kind of being like oh this world isn't meant for these characters when in reality it's a lot has changed Mm. since the 90s
0: so perhaps a bit of what is on her shoulders has been addressed. Yeah, yeah, since it's you know since the really the thought of putting the narrative down to paper was really uh, mm-hmm. done. Uh, that's interesting. That's super interesting.
1: Yeah, um, and then the music thing, which I didn't realize, like a lot of stories or films, at least that involve deaf characters, also revolve around music because that seems to be like an obvious. Conflict, which is Mm -hmm. another perception that is a bit skewed in this whole premise, because there are tons of deaf people that love music. And they even express that in a way with the dad at the beginning, where he Mm -hmm. blasts his Mm -hmm. rap music in the car. Mm -hmm.
0: Just because it shakes the whole, it <laughs> yeah, gets, gets a cool vibration. <laughs> and so,
1: Sean recognized in writing this, and her intent was to not have it necessarily be. It's not about oh, her parents don't understand music. It's about connecting with what the kid wants yes. to do that they don't understand, and that can apply if your kid wants to go into the arts or you, and you're a doctor, you know, it's more about well,
0: that down to, if the family has a thing and there's one person mm-hmm. in the family that doesn't want to do that thing, that's drama. Then that, that's, then that can be, that can be difficult in real life. <laughs> so that, very, yeah. very difficult.
1: So that's what she was hoping to do when the dad is feeling her throat. It's more about, I understand that you like this, not I don't understand music. No, <laughs> you know? no, no, no. Yeah.
0: I I read it totally differently than mm-hmm. that. It was I read it as he's trying to fully connect. He's trying yeah. to get as close to his hearing it as he possibly can. He fee- the 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 sensation of that yeah is is sending off synapses in his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 was a very very beautiful moment, and I it wasn't like he didn't it didn't get no I did, that didn't that didn't play to it. it was all about this whole movie is about like well how do I connect with my child
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, how, and how do we find common ground even when the world and our interests are pulling us in you know different uh, yeah directions but I read it as that very intimate I mean he's really trying I to me I mean it's it's all prefaced with what was the song about. Mm-hmm. So what was the song about matched with can i can i relate anything in the vibrations here yeah. to that those emotions that are called up through what she said the the thematics of the song were
1: And the thematics of the whole thing I looked into some of the numbers stuff to make sense right. cuz that's just who I am of right. of the relationships in this and not that it's just a manufactured thematic drama for the sake of it so children of deaf adults of children to deaf adults can hear normally. So this is a huge, you know, in terms of if you have two deaf parents, 90% chance you're going to have a kid that is not deaf. Yeah. And so this is a very common thing. The main actor and actress both have children. This is their scenario. So them acting in this is very much the case.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And then on the other side, being born deaf, fewer than 5% of deaf people have deaf parents. Wow. So wow. it's it's an interesting thing in a, in terms of a cultural group because in this particular case, the deaf culture, most members do not acquire their cultural identity from their parents in a way that other groups would. <laughs> that's,
0: that's a very interesting thing that I'm, I'm thinking of the brother a lot in uh-huh. this right now because I, if I have one disagreement about where the narrative really led me is by the, you know, at the end, towards the end, with the brother being upset that she's going to stay, um, mm-hmm. I started to think about the dynamic of his position in the family. And so what you're saying now is that it actually the position that he's in is one of the rarest mm-hmm. you can be in. <laughs> um, and his whole point is that we can do it. We can do it without her and we should do it without yeah. her, which is what he should be turning around and saying to the parents is we have to do that. <laughs> we should be doing this without her. It's wrong of you to be relying on her in such a way, but it, 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 it turns on her and I, and I felt that that was a little, that was a little bit misplaced and hearing about his, the, his position in the family, the dynamic of the brother. And you said that the brother is one of the major changes in terms of like the family yeah, dynamic. Definitely, uh, I thought that was a really interesting thing. I mean, they obviously all come around, but I thought that his frustration was so misplaced against her. Yeah. And I thought it was, a, it re, it relates back to this, like this plight he's in he's in such a rare predicament but i don't even know if he's like giving himself the credit for that Uh, you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like we're looking at the statistics right now but the character the person isn't operating uh with as much grace as maybe we are you know Mm -hmm. it's like hold on (laughs) things are really hard you know
1: (laughs) yeah it is interesting how it it is this why it's winning awards because it's presenting so many facets to what this particular family would be like Mm Yeah.
0: You said something earlier that kind of piqued my interest, and I wanted to save it until we kind of got there, and I think yeah, we're yeah. finally there. You, this, The French film, uh-huh. you mentioned French sign language, and as <laughs> soon as you said that, I went, oh, no. <laughs> because I don't know enough about sign language in general that I've never even considered ASL is American, just American <laughs> sign language, not the entire world. And so now I've got a thousand questions about like, well, what? In the world is that like, what was, (laughs) how do you adapt and what's the history of sign language? And, you know, I don't know.
1: I I definitely looked into that because I said, this is illiteracy in many languages. I know nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So this is perfect. (laughs) There are 200 distinct sign languages in the world. Oh my God. French sign language, some might argue is the biggest and first. So 58% of the signs in American sign language are cognates derivatives of French sign language.
0: Okay. If okay, it,
1: linguistic terms. If you hit around an eighty percent mark, then that's when it would become a dialect. But if it's not there yet, so it's its own language. And I didn't even realize because it's like American sign language, not English sign language. Oh, so whoa, that opens whoa, whoa, it up. Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> oh no, what? <laughs> so American sign language would not be intelligible if you were in. Britain or Australia, they have wow. their own. It's only maybe thirty-seven to forty-four percent of American Sign Language has similar Auslan, which is the Australian Sign Language. Oh um, my god! Because British we are really yeah. living
0: up to the title today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, for example, an easy com- Yeah, an easy comparison is British Sign Language is is like the cardinal one of its origin, which then breaks off into Australian and New Zealand Sign Language, which are also different, but. For the finger spelling, which is for specific words that maybe you don't have a sign for, or names, if you don't have a sign name, Australian, New Zealand, British use two-handed finger spelling. Okay. So it's a completely different alphabet, essentially. And then you could imagine all over the world, this is why you have 200 sign language, be- because if you're doing it in Thai, you, they don't even use <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the Latin alphabet or the romantic languages. So it... it you have to have different uh, connotations. The thing that I teased at the beginning, this 1690 census stuff, (laughs) this is where this comes (laughs) in. Because I didn't realize that this is set in Gloucester because this is where Sean has her upbringing and wants to draw it back to. But this particular area is actually also the start of American Sign Language.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: it comes down to... So this is one of these distinct languages that has now disappeared, and you're going to love this. It's Martha's Vineyard Sign Language. What? Was its own. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as early as 1714, so Martha's Vineyard is an island off of the coast of Massachusetts. and That's
0: where they shot John.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because deafness is a part of recessive genetics, which means you could pass it on without having it. You could just be a carrier. Wow. There was a 4% rate of this being genetic in Martha's Vineyard. And then because it's an island, because it's early on, because of colonization, there was a lot less transference and there was more families and closer families getting married and having kids. By the mid-1800s, there's even a particular town called Chilmark, and this is my census stuff. One, one in 25 people in this town was deaf so wow. one one in 25 but what's crazier is 25 of 25 used sign language this was almost wow. this was almost yeah. the the first language of this area in this time because it was used by hearing residents when a deaf person was present like you said in the movie yeah. when you just get steamrolled it's like this was equal because it was also used during church for services or between boats or between farmers across fields like it was just wow. the nature of Martha's vineyard and specifically this smaller town in it, Chilmark. But like I said, this this particular language, the Martha's Vineyard Sign Language died out by the 50s. Because, so this is now explaining how the French one was the biggest. In 1771, there was this first French Sign Language school, but really was a lot informed by the students who were coming from home and teaching the, you know, the Abbey himself who was running it. What oh, wow. they had, you know, it, there was never a really cool. Well, this is
0: how it worked at home. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so
1: he, then he's calling.
0: Taking notes. Okay. Okay. And so the,
1: the first American school for the deaf is in Connecticut in 1817. And the largest group of students in the first 70 years were, of course, from Martha's Vineyard, which this merged with the French Sign Language because the teachers that were coming to this school in Connecticut were from the French school, as well as the kids from their homes. In New England, that were also going to this school. And so that's how American Sign Language came to be was in large part French, the Martha's Vineyard version, and then just all the versions that the kids at home are using.
0: This just like spurred a deep, a deep memory from high school (laughs) when I was videoing basketball Uh and we would travel all over the state of Georgia. We did go and play the School of the Deaf. Uh huh. I'm totally forgot that we had done that, and and what it's this had just reminded me of is that the only thing that struck me, the only thing that really stood out to me was that I felt bad that I couldn't communicate. Mm-hmm. I felt, and I don't know if anybody else did, but I felt how how sad it was because typically you go to a game or whatever, you'll you'll talk to somebody, you'll say you know mm-hmm. you'll bump into somebody, say sorry, whatever, you know you'll communicate with people, you know. And it was so, I mean, we were so out of place and it was so humbling to be in that place, be surrounded by that and that to be the main, that's how they communicate. I mean, you go to the concession stand, that's what they're expecting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I had totally forgotten that we had done that. And the kind of talking about these schools here, we just, just like brought that up to the surface. But I definitely remember the only thing I really, really took away from it was that overwhelming feeling of like, I had not
1: done enough. <laughs> mhm yeah like you want that I mean this doing the research this week, I was like, and one of one of our friends is learning American Sign Language, but it's like I do not have any personal experience, but watching all these interviews and whatnot, I'm like, this is a huge language, and to see like the main actress Marley she was on the view yeah. and one of the ladies learned how to say your movie' is beautiful, and just it's like it's like mm-hmm. anything if you go to another country yeah. and you and you learn yeah. a little bit of the language, but this is definitely a thing that you know, this movie brings to the forefront of like, Hey, no,
0: it, it, I just, I'm, I remember that feeling of like, no, 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 this is my misgiving. This is my shortcomings and solely my
1: shortcomings. I uh, should have was, done some, done the research. They, they, before, learned. They'll, they'll, yeah.
0: There's nobody to blame, but me that I can't go over there and like be friends with somebody, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. My last little thing about, uh, differences, cause we talked about different languages, but of course, within languages, there are dialects. And so, American Sign Language has a black American Sign Language dialect, which- Oh, awesome. That's,
0: that's yeah, amazing. Developed oh, wow. because
1: of segregation in American schools, so they're not- No, <laughs> no, no. Well, you know what I mean, like the school for I know the I know I was deaf, just yeah. I I, I, yeah. I just
0: went on the wave of like I didn't even consider such a thing how incredible and then all the reasons why that is a thing are really bad and, yeah uh,
1: yeah so it, sorry it, it's it's just interesting <laughs> knowing a little bit about American sign language so Black American sign language there is a difference like if you were in the South you would have a Southern drawl or if it, you're in you know just how dialects work but it's in terms of the physicality of your signing. So adverbs use a larger signing space in black American sign language. You would be signing further away from your body versus the tight window from your shoulders to your waist, to the top of your head. Wow. Things like that, two-handed variants of signs, if they can be done, are more common. And then idioms from African-American vernacular English. So like the phrase stop tripping, the sign... For tripping and to stop doing that is moved up to the head because the idiom means stop imagining things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't literally mean stop mm-hmm. trip. So just like stuff right, like that, right. That is intonated visually is, is so cool. But that, oh that gosh. is how dialects from even the languages themselves formulate. So that is, yeah, that
0: yeah. is straight up
1: fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I've,
0: I've never even before we started recording. I was like, "Yep, yeah, American sign language. <laughs> yeah and i just had no i'd never given any thought to any other just, and and even in within america just block out mm-hmm. Restore, american sign language i've never given any thought to there being like
1: dialects yeah. <laughs> dialects
0: <laughs> all throughout the country and then you, all
1: throughout the
0: world this is incredible
1: yeah it's amazing so that but i wonder yeah. what
0: how would you feel i want how do you if you are a deaf person and you're traveling i wonder how you bridge those Gaps. I mean, I bet there's a yeah. ton that's similar, but I bet there's. I mean, obviously, well, the same a lot of, yeah. that's just not.
1: It's if if I were to go to yeah. Mongolia, I wouldn't know anything. So yeah, yeah. Gosh. Um. So then, okay, yeah, okay. That will. I'm
0: thinking about this for the first time. <laughs> this is this is just. This I know is, this is amazing. We'll
1: ruminate on it with me as we talk about Sean <laughs> and her research, and then please, she's writing a script for actors. Yeah. So then this makes me wonder 40% of the script is written in American sign language, which what the heck does that even mean? What does that mean? (laughs) So I looked into this and there are, you know, symbolical ways that you can do this, but essentially that's a more modern and not as utilized convention. It's like. It's still written in English. With I first, yeah,
0: right. I I just assumed it wouldn't look any different because everybody reads English.
1: Right, 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 right. right.
0: That was one of the cool parts of the movie is when the brother and the uh, the friend are talking to each other at the bar, and they just end up resorting to texts mm-hmm. because it's so much faster. Yeah, I mean, that was it. was a really cool window into the authenticity of these people's world.
1: Definitely, yeah. So with so that's one of the things we we're talking about, like adding the ADA requirements for. Things where it's like you, mm-hmm, you're required to have mm-hmm. an interpreter. That's the other thing where it's like, yeah, pre-cell phones, you got to bring a pen and paper or you got like it's mm-hmm. it's technology has made it so much easier in that way. But yeah. as far as Sean Hader, she had an ASL teacher. She learned American Sign Language and that's then awesome. is helped by two deaf collaborators, which she calls her ASL masters, Alexandria Wales and Ann Tomasetti, and they helped her translate the script into ASL. So almost like consultant co-writers because it's its own language. So like she has the way that she explained the writing process. And I got a lot of my research on this. The Writers Guild in Los Angeles, they have a YouTube channel that has like no subscribers and no views. (laughs) But it's amazing because they go through with writers and it's like two hour interviews where like page by page, they break down the script and ask really interesting questions about the writing process. So for me and Evan who are writers, it's like this video I saw has 500 views or something, but I'll post a link. In oh the my show God.
0: Note. I did not, I never thought that they would, I, you know, yeah. I never thought to look yeah. at their YouTube page. I'm going to be running to that. After <laughs> it's this. very, very
1: inside baseball as far as being in Los Angeles or being screenwriters. For sure, but it's for sure, for super, sure. Super, super interesting to understand. Well, why did you use this line? How did you pace these scenes? Tons of stuff like that. So this oh, is where no I got no. that from. But she was saying she wrote out the script, but as far as having her, collaborators translate it into American Sign Language. And there's a copy of this script since it won. I'll post a link to that as well. You could read it for your own if you wanted to see what she did. But like
0: Does it have the the ASL stuff in it?
1: Yeah. So the where I mean where where the where the characters are deaf and are signing is in italics. And essentially she's like, I go to my collaborators and I'm like, well, how would they sign this? And if it doesn't work visually or if it's not what I'm trying to say The grammar, syntax, the culture of it, idioms, I'll post a link to another video where somebody sort of analyzes some scenes from the movie, what they're signing, what they're actually saying idiomatically, and what the subtitle is, is different. So like in American Sign Language, there's there's an idiom, which is true business, which is a very quick thing to sign, but it just means like absolutely or indeed. So it's in the scene where the parents are arguing and it's like Ruby's going away and she's like true business, but that doesn't make sense if you put that in the subtitle, but it, because it's a, it's an idiom that we wouldn't know.
0: (laughs) That's, that's, that's that's very cool. That's kind of that's brushing up on some of my work because I am a little dub script adapter. So like that exact that yeah. exact kind of thing is, is stuff that I that I think about. So yeah, that's super. That's that, and again, even because I do some of that work, I I didn't even think about the difference between what they would be signing based on what the subtitle mm-hmm. is between that might not be what's in the script. <laughs> that's yeah, that's really fascinating. So the, that's yeah,
1: that's awesome. The script is really for the subtitles, but she has. Because these people that she worked with were also on set. They were her co-directors essentially as well, and were also, uh, I mean from the whole from the whole thing. So like production design, how the living room furniture is arranged, because you would not want, if, you, if you're a deaf family mm-hmm. and various things like that, the signs, they're watching the monitor, which is what the camera's showing, to make sure this is in frame a piece of what we're signing, and then in the editing bay, making sure we're not cutting away so that people that are watching this, and that's what they did really well for the Oscars when they were filming the Oscars ceremony, they never cut away from the signers <laughs> like right, or the right, interpreters right. because it's so annoying. It's like, well, now you it's just like muting, like you just missed. Yeah. So these uh, co-collaborators were with it through the whole process to make sure it makes sense from beginning to end. In the flow of the scenes, yeah. As well as the actors, Troy, who you had mentioned, who plays Ruby's father, and Marlene, who plays the mom, they had met Sean through Deaf West Theater, which is a theater in LA that has deaf cast productions. They do plays, they do musicals, they do everything. So Troy was, I mean, he's done film stuff as well, but uh, that's how she got a lot of her cast and casting was from that but he also was very very much she's like this character he really brings the obscenity to (laughs) this Uh this guy signing uh and it was originally rated r and she was like they will never (laughs) like this is the most blasphemous uh it changed to pg-13 oh my god but uh Troy has done a lot of stuff. One thing that he's known for recently that just came out because it was more underground like people didn't know about it was uh-huh. in the Mandalorian TV show from Disney. He's one of the Tusken Raiders.
0: Oh, so cool. That's amazing. <laughs>
1: and they consulted he develops the so this is a another uh, <laughs> sign language language but the Tusken Raider sign language. Oh, no Is way. its own yeah, language. Far- oh, wow. And <laughs> he loved Star Wars, he said, from when he was eight years old, because it's so visual. It's so yeah. exciting and energetic and everything. And so he developed the Tuscan Raider symbol to point like the Mandalorian is based on the letter M and the helmet shape, the, the T kind of visor.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: So he's also I love that. making his own languages in, in sign language for media. Yeah. Oh
0: man, what an ambassador! Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. Oh, how incredible! Amazing. I mean, I I fell in love with him just in his in his acceptance speech. I mean, it's so mm-hmm. I mean, it was so touching, and the the crowd reaction. I just that alone, I was like, okay, I might want to check it out just for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And then Marley Matlin, who plays the mom, she's most known because she has won an Academy Award. She won for Best Supporting Actress in '86. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She's the other one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No,
0: (laughs) that's incredible. Cause I knew, Mm -hmm. I I know he wasn't the first and I knew there had been one other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) children of a lesser God came out in 86. She is also the youngest. She was 21 at the time. So she won the youngest, best supporting actress. And she's been in tons of TV shows. They uh, parodied her in family guy. And then she played a character in family guy.
0: Yeah, a so, voice. Her, yeah. She she does a voice in family.
1: Yeah, party? yeah, 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 yeah. So there's tons gotcha. to it. Yeah. So she's gotcha. very much. Both of these people have decades in the. It's kind of almost like with uh, Minari. The grandmother is the biggest, right. you know, actress in South yeah. Korea. Yeah, Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: No, it was yeah. just, I, like, because I'm going on her NDP page, and one of the last things I'm really expect when I see it, when I see a voice role, <laughs> I go, what? Yeah. Whoa. I have to think about it for a second, so excuse me. This has all been, this has just been incredible. This has been such, I've grown so much, I love this. I just, <laughs> it's just fascinating. Yeah.
1: So with getting a sense of American Sign Language with two sign language directors, interpreters, the crew, all of that on set, she also then has to get the rest of this town on board, Sean, that is, the director Mm -hmm. and writer, and say, well, if I'm going to set it here, I got to know things about fishing. I got to know things about singing. Like There's so much. She's the nerd researcher. So she basically reached out to people that she knew and ingratiated herself into the scene in Gloucester. She received Mm -hmm. feedback from Kenneth Lonergan, who directed Manchester Mm -hmm. by the Sea in 2016. Cause that was a very intimate Boston Mm -hmm. slice of life piece. And he said, you need this Marine coordinator who she contacted three years before this got made. And he, every time he's like, when are we making this? (laughs) What are we doing? But she, she met with the Gloucester fishermen's wives association and they told her the bars to go to. So she knows when the boats (laughs) gets in, she goes down to the bars and chats people up and people say, excuse the language. They say, I don't give a shit about your movie you know we did the perfect storm we don't need another movie <laughs> <laughs> and uh she finally through a, a nephew of one of the fishermen's wives association people meets this guy Paul Vital who is a fisherman and he agrees fine you can go on my boat meet me at 3 a.m. don't talk to me i fish alone sit over there don't touch anything over time he lets more people on soon. His boat is the movie set boat (laughs) there. He's like, how the heck did I get in this? Cause now there's seven vessels out there and a (laughs) hundred people. And yeah, I, I I just appreciate the amount of effort to present this story, even though you ostensibly know, you know, it's kind of like the, our, our mantras of like, write what you know, or write what you're trying to understand. Right. And I think this is. She
0: definitely. She definitely did that on this one. She did the work that I think most people really skip out on. Most people are a little bit too worried about the frame and the color grading. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, oh, is that move going to be sick? you like. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're like forgetting what the story is about, like who the main character is. She learned like, a language. A you know? I yeah, know, yeah <laughs> man. She learned a language. She learned to fish. She learned <laughs> to sing. You know, <laughs> I mean, she put herself through the ringer. And I, when you when you, we talk about directors, you know, we hear about directors going in deep in an aspect,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a direction. She went all out and she went in every every direction as she should. I mean, I think that's the charge of the director, yeah I, I, she might have went so hard on the research part she forgot about the movie because <laughs> <laughs> like, if i have any criticism of, about the movie at all it's down on its technicals it, it's not shot really like a, it's not it doesn't have an air of cinema to yeah, it, it yeah. Doesn't, it's not very cinematic what is undeniable about it is the narrative the characters the performances and yeah the story i mean oh my god uh <laughs> All that, now none of that stuff matters. And that's what you saw on Sunday night when Best Picture comes out. because this got to the core of the characters, what this family was about, what was going on in this character's head. Yeah. And all of the work necessary to actually depict that, Sean did. Yeah. Uh, I, and I hear of so few directors actually going and doing all of that work, and again, and I say, and I'm like, yep. if I have a criticism, she might have just went too hard in the paint <laughs> on the research and like forgot. <laughs> well, I think also with
1: it, it's, and this is like the culmination of the whole thing. Combining, she's also utilizing everybody else around her to make it. it. So in in the final piece, oh, I love it. The the, I love it. the script, like I said, was co-written by these other gals, and then also the actors in terms of like scenes where they're improvising in sign language. She's okay with that because- Being secure yeah. in this. Now, listen, and I, I want to bring this out for people
0: is this is a woman who is doing the work. She's doing the work nobody's doing, but she's also in all those directions. She's leaning on the people, the yeah. experts in those areas, and she is so beholden to them and no, and taking their word as word what is truth. Yeah, And doing the, I mean, doing the real math here about like, this is important. I need that part of it. Okay. They said that. I can't forget that. Yeah. Uh, She is so secure in letting those people give their expertise. I think that's something all directors need a
1: little bit. Yeah. And the, the final piece of this, the final sign that she does in the script, it's just her saying, I love you in sign language out the car window as she's leaving. Mm. In sign language, usually you would finger sign somebody's name, but if it's a family thing or it's a political figure, it's something where you don't want to finger sign. Uh, you would give them a name sign, so it's a particular sign that would be for somebody's specific name. Mm-hmm. And so she leaned on the actor uh, Troy, the dad, to give the mm-hmm. the Ruby sign to her, you know, his daughter mm-hmm. in the in the thing. And so her, the the sign for Ruby yeah. is. Uh, it's the letter R and the letter Y, and then also mixed with the word for where. So anytime he signs her name, it's it's literally like "Where's Ruby?" <laughs> like that's uh-huh. kind of that's what her name sign means. Yeah. But what's crazy is that that sign is also "I love you" mixed with "forever," where you cross the two fingers. Uh-huh. So she's literally signing her name "Where's Ruby?" and also signing "I love you forever." while she's leaving at the end of the movie, which is a mixture of her deaf culture and who she is and where she's going and that she's leaving all in one visual, physical thing. And so the director had to have all of those pieces because in the script, she just had it as I love you. But what does that mean? Yeah. Unless you have (laughs) all of the other pieces put together. Yes, yes. For all the themes. So I just love that. No,
0: it's got to come from that familial place. The dad's his sign for his child. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the key there that makes it authentic. It's not her saying goodbye. You know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Here is this. Here is my name and I'm using it. It happens to also mean this amazing other thing. <laughs> and But it is from it is the it is the sign given to me from my parents. Yeah. You know, like this is it's so it's so it's so much more than just I love. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Incredible. Incredible work, Taylor. Oh, I really you. appreciate it. You really, I mean, not only did Sean go hard in the paint, but you went hard <laughs> in the paint, my friend. Uh, <laughs> good Lord. This was a blast. I really, I had no idea exactly what, you know, what to expect in terms of uh, going into the movie even. So like for this to be such a breath of fresh air I really inundating me into a whole other world. I'd never thought about all these dialects all over the country, all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, How lovely. This is why this movie uh, deserves to be thrust into the spotlight because we ought to be considering these things a bit more. Thank you guys for listening to us. If you stick with us, uh, please reach out to us at Literate pod on instagram let us know what you are watching let us know what you are reading you never know when we'll do an episode that you're just gonna die (laughs) Uh, so get in touch with us
1: if you could please rate on whatever podcast player you're using give us five stars that would be lovely however many stars you want to give
0: and suggest an episode to somebody. Send one of our episodes to somebody if, uh, if you feel led to do so. <laughs> uh, we love doing this. We can't wait to be back next week. Thank you guys for sticking with us. We'll see you then.